Today is kind of a in-between day between lots of holidays and other events, so we didn't start a new series. Varied from our theme of this year, just kind of one sermon here in between Mother's Day and family camp and all kinds of things going on this month. So uh, we won't talk about memorial stones today, but let's start with a garden tour. Now, I know May is supposed to be when the gardens are starting to look good. Uh, This year is a little strange. Uh, Things are a little bit behind, I believe. But I went out in the yard and took some pictures of Cindy's garden anyway this year. Uh, And the the, the part of it that I focused on is there's a bird bath and there's some rocks around it. And down in the front, there's some white rocks. Now, if you get in close enough to those white rocks, you can see that they've got some engraving on them. And they say, Church of Christ. And if you zoom in a little bit closer to the middle rock, you can see it says 1939. Now, if you visited Cindy's garden, would you find that odd? Would you? <laughs> Some of you said no. It wouldn't be. <laughs> Most folks uh, visiting a garden would not expect to find a church sign laid out there. And... Most folks that visited the garden and saw something like that would probably, bear with me here, you think they would ask? You think they might say, well, what is this? What, what is going on here? Where, where did you get that and what's that about? Well, if you asked, then we'd tell you. And I'd tell you that when I was eight years old, I started coming to a little old red brick church over on 20th and Jackson. Uh, this is a picture of that building in 1943. It's under construction, actually. You can't see too well. Uh, the church started in 1939 as the North End Church of Christ. It was at 20th and Jackson, and they dug a basement, and they put a roof on it, and they began to meet in the basement in 1939. And in the early 40s, they got enough money to start building a building, and so they built the building. And in the lower left, you can't, it's not erected yet, but right down there in the lower left in front, uh, there was a sign. Uh, That sign was still there in 1975, although everything around it had changed. Uh, The old red brick building had been torn down for a new educational building, and next door to it, that little house had been torn down, and the new auditorium had been built. But that old sign that came in the 40s was still there. And it stood there until about 1997, I think, uh, when we got a new sign and moved to a new building. Uh, Somebody deconstructed that old sign and stored away the rocks that had the engraving in them. And a year or two ago, somebody found them stored in their garage and asked if I would want those. And I said, well, sure, you got to have rocks like that to put in the garden. So we took them and Cindy put them in the garden. Now, interesting story about our garden, I guess. But maybe it helps us understand Joshua chapter 4. In Joshua chapter 3, the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. And as they go into the promised land, they come up to the Jordan, and it is at flood stage. 
it's harvest time and it's running as high as it ever runs and the people look at it and there's no way to get across this. And God says in chapter 3, or Joshua told the people in verse 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, people didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew Joshua was their new leader. They knew Moses had done some amazing things. They didn't know about Joshua yet. And Joshua said, the Lord's going to do some amazing things. And so then Joshua told the priests, he said, you take the Ark of the Covenant and you go first. And you just walk right into the Jordan River. At flood stage, mind you. And he went on to explain to them, now when you do, God's going to do that amazing thing. And so the priests did it. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they stepped into the water. And as soon as their feet hit the water, upstream quite a ways at another little town, God stopped the water. It just stopped flowing. And it built up and backed up at that little town, but it didn't come downstream. And pretty soon the river was no river anymore. So the priests walked out into the middle and got... Joshua said, stop right there. You wait, and all the people will go around you into the promised land. And after they all got past the priests and the Ark of the Covenant, Joshua told them, now, 12 of you, pick up a rock here from the bottom of the river. Pick up a big rock, as big as you can carry, and carry it across with you. And on the other side, they pile those 12 stones up and... Chapter 4 then begins and says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Number one, God knows that we need memorial stones. God knows that humans have a pretty short attention span. And we get off on other things. We think of other things. We, we get off on new projects. We forget old things. We forget great old things. When the people had first come out of Egypt in Deuteronomy chapter 6, one of the things God told them, or Moses told them, was, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out. Now at that moment, that sounds silly, doesn't it? They'd been in captivity for 400 years, and Jehovah had just put 10 plagues on Pharaoh, had just got them across the Red Sea, had just done all those things, and Moses warned them, now, don't forget the Lord. That day, they probably thought, how could you forget the Lord? It, would never, it wouldn't be possible to forget him after what he's done for us. But Moses knew, God knew, you need some memorials. You're going to forget. That's the way humans are. So he instituted a number of memorials. And that's what Joshua did here on the crossing of the Jordan. 
This will be a memorial for you. God knows we need memorial stones. Second, God knows that children need memorial stones. The memorial stones are the trigger. They're the things that start the conversation. Verse 6 there in chapter 4 says, Now when your children ask you, you tell them this story. Now some of the parents and children and grandchildren and on down might remember to tell the story, but this guaranteed it. Anytime they walked past that part of the Jordan, and here's this pile of stones, what's a kid going to ask? Who piled those up? What are those doing there? Ah, well, let me tell you about that. God got us out of Egypt. And he preserved us through the wilderness. And when Joshua led us into this land, here's what happened. He stopped this river. And he gave them the opportunity to talk about God and to tell them about the whole history of their nation. And they could talk as long as they wanted about it, I'm sure. That's what children need. Children need to hear history. They, they need to know about how they got to where they are. And especially about God's part in that. I read a story one time about the British poet Samuel Coleridge. He was in a discussion with a fellow that was real modern, kind of like some modern folks are today. And he believed that you should never give children any religious instruction. He said you shouldn't pollute their mind with what you believe. They need to be able to choose. So you just let them grow up. Don't give them any instruction. And when they grow up, then they'll be free to choose. They'll make their own decision about whether they want some kind of faith in their life or not. Well, Coleridge didn't argue with him or try to talk him out of it. But he remembered what he had said, and he invited him over to his house one time. And after a little while, he said, let's go out and look at my garden. And Coleridge's garden was very, very neglected. He didn't take care of it. And he walked out and he showed the guy in the garden. He said, look at this. And the guy was trying to be nice, but he finally said, this isn't much of a garden. And he said, I don't see anything but weeds. And Coleridge said, well, he said, I don't want to infringe upon the freedom of the garden. You know, I want the garden to be able to express itself and to make up its own mind about what it wants to be like. And the guy got the point. You've got to help raise a garden, and you've got to help raise children. And God knew that. God knew children need memorial stone. Third point, God also knew that everybody in the world needs memorial stones. Chapter 4, the very last verse, verse 24, says, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Not just for the people of Israel, they needed memorial stones. Not just for the children, they needed it, but for everybody else that didn't know who Jehovah was. Here's an opportunity to tell them about it. What are those stones piled up over there? Well, our God did this. In our life one time, the world needs to hear that kind of thing. Okay, now, that's basically what the story of Memorial Stones makes me think of to, to tell you about God. But why am I telling you that? Well, I think first reason, or a reason, 
is I'd encourage you to have more memorial stones. Some of you may have some already. But I encourage you to have more and use them. See, if God knows we need them, and if he knows our children need them, then we ought to work at having some memorial stones. It's good for us. It's the best way for children and others to learn. Now, those 1939 rocks in my garden, they give me an opportunity to tell others, but how much more do you think I remember the history of Northside because those rocks are there? I mean, I would think of it occasionally. Uh, Something would stir my mind every once in a while, I'm sure. But with those rocks there, every time I push the mower past them, I'd at least have a brief thought about Northside. And sometimes sitting on the deck, looking out there, watching the birds in the bird bath, I look down at those rocks, and I think a lot more about Northside, about the people that I've known at Northside, about the lessons that they've taught me at Northside, about the successes at Northside, about the miracles that have happened here, about the hard times that led to blessings. All of that comes from having some stones there to remind you. We need to have more. And the opportunity to tell others about them, that everybody that sees them asks. Now, not just in your backyard. I'm, I'm talking everywhere. The building. I believe here where we assemble, I think we ought to have more memorial stones here. And I don't mean build an obelisk out in the front yard to somebody. But I mean there ought to be things that remind us that memorialize the past. Now we've got a few around here. Now you walk down the teen wing toward the teen classes and there's 12 pictures on the wall. They're all similar, but if you look at them, they're 12 different groups of young people and sponsors at teen camp for the past 12 years. Okay? And you can stand there and look a long time. If you've been here 12 years, you can stand there and look, and all kinds of memories will come back. Okay? That's a good thing. Okay? In the, the front office, in the um, As you walk in there, there's six framed pictures on the wall of the first six Women Walking with God conference. If you've been involved in that, or even if you haven't, you can stand there and look at those and learn a lot about the history of that conference. Memories will come back to you if you've been there. If you haven't been there, there's a chance for somebody to explain to you. Look what God has done here in this place. Uh, I'm sure there's a few other memorial stones around here, but I think we need more. I think we ought to have a history museum somewhere. I think there ought to be some archives somewhere that people can look and see what God has done at Northside over the years. How about home? Game memorial stones at home? It doesn't have to be about God, although godly ones are good. Family is good. You ought to have some family memorial stones, some special things around. Now, we got a lot of special things around my house, and, and I know the history of some of them. Cindy knows the history of all of them. Yeah, you ask, where'd that come from? Oh, well, <laughs> the kids gave us that for this anniversary on this date, and the, 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 she knows all that stuff. Yeah. 
And occasionally we bring out more special things. At Christmas, uh, she puts up a big Christmas tree and puts uh, memories on it. It's called the memory tree, and some of you have seen it. But she's got stuff on there from great-grandparents and grandparents and parents and grandchildren. and There's all kinds of memories. And the grandkids can stand there for hours and listen to stories about their ancestors. Just from things, just from memorial stones. All of that's good for us to remember good stories, but it's also good opportunities to teach others good stories, good history. Now, beyond just having them, you ought to use them. You know, I mean, that's one of the things God said. Is this how you teach children? So if you've got some memorial stuff, Every once in a while when the grad kid walks past, you say, you know what that means? Yes, I know what that means. I've heard the story before. Well, let me tell you and tell it again. It's okay. That's how they learn. That's what they remember. That's how they learn what's important in life. So I'm encouraging you to have more memorial stones. Figure some ways to do that, both family and uh, church and any kind of history you want. Now, Second thing I want to draw out of this before we quit is I think the importance that God puts on these memorial stones, I think that ought to encourage us to recognize more fully some of the important memorial stones that we have for what they are. Because If somebody walked past those 12 stones every day, if they lived real close to it, there'd probably come a time where they'd just take it for granted. They wouldn't stop and talk about it. They wouldn't think about what it meant and all of that. Well, we've got some memorial stones that occur pretty regularly. And it's easier to get into that routine and just do them by rote and not think about them. We ought to be more serious about some of them. One is this assembly. This is a memorial stone. Why are we here on Sunday morning? If we walk in here thinking, okay, here I am again. It's time to do do the thing, and I'll sit down, and I hope I like the songs today, and I hope he's kind of halfway interesting preaching, and then I'll get to go home. If we just do that as a routine, it doesn't help us a whole lot. This assembly is a memorial stone. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 2, 9. He said, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A peculiar people, a set-apart people. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why are we here this morning? Not just to fill the hour, not just to do what we're supposed to do. We're a chosen generation. And God asks us to get together and remember that and celebrate that. When we come in here, we ought to have that kind of uh, understanding. This is a memorial stone we're approaching here. I get to assemble with the rest of the chosen generation, the other part of the royal priesthood. And we're coming together to praise him who has called us out of darkness. One of the most obvious is right down here on these two tables each Sunday. The Lord's Supper is a memorial stone. 
God knew that we'd forget these things. And he needed, knew that we needed reminding. And he knew that it's good for kids to have memorial stones around so they learn. In fact, Paul's instruction about the Lord's Supper says it perfectly. It says, as often as you do this, you remember Jesus and you show forth his death. You show everybody else that you believe. It doesn't. If we don't think about it. If we just sit and take the bread and the juice as it comes past and without any thinking, it doesn't do that for us. That's how we ought to go into that. This is a memorial stone. This was important enough. God wanted us to do this every week so these thoughts will come back to us. And I can look at the bread and the cup and remember what Jesus did for me. And when a child is very, very young, he can start learning that. Here's what this means. And every year he can understand a little bit more of it. And you explain a little bit more of it to him. Baptism is a memorial stone. The memories, the the teaching that comes from it. I, I know it's when the person being baptized receives salvation and that's what it's for and all that. But everybody else. It's a memorial stone. We should be sitting there thinking, Christ was baptized by John. He said, I need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And John, please baptize me. And then he died and was buried and he rose again. And Paul says, that's what baptism pictures. That's what comes to your mind when you see a baptism. And that's what you teach children when you see a baptism. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. But like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's a new creature there now. We ought to see that in that memorial stone. We ought to recognize that. We ought to teach others. Those are three of the, the main ones around here that I think we need to to remember to approach as a memorial stone. Have some more memorial stones in your life. Use them to do more teaching than you do now. Follow God's plan for memorial stones. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, uh, the rest of us would be thrilled to witness a baptism. To, to see reenacted Christ's death and burial and resurrection. And we'd rejoice with you and uh, have you a time to remember the rest of your life when you obeyed his call. If you need to obey this morning or you have other need, come, let's stand and sing.